Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Moyle. This'll take a minute. The army is here at last. Don't you worry about it. Darkness podcast where we discuss and overanalyze the 1992 classic Army of Darkness. Previously on Minute of Darkness. The guy who Rick Ingham describes as the man literally beside himself, Ash Williams, is given a potion to return to his own time. He is given three words to repeat. That isn't going to turn out well. Our hero kisses the fair maiden Sheila goodbye and rides off. Next we see him back at Smart. All right, you primitive screwheads, here are your hosts, Brad and Ryan. Hey everybody, it's Minute 73 of Army of Darkness with my brother in darkness, Ryan. But first, it's the final Jarf Tales. Jarf is like a hurricane. Ashes pain, the monsters he fights. He's telling stories of darkness, glory, jar tales, boo Talking evil, dead adventures, jar tales, boo He's seen Bruce Campbell live in person. I actually wanted to ask you a slightly different question, although, of course, I'd, I'd love to hear your favorite themes. Just as we were talking about, um, like, how you rank the Evil Dead movies, I was curious how you rank the Bruce Campbell cameos um, in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. That's a good question. That's a really good question. Uh, I... I'm actually going to say, and this is obviously the worst of the Spider-Man movies, but I loved him as the Mater D in the third Spider-Man because it was Bruce with an accent and being over the top, and it was the one time when he wasn't just something, somebody in the way of Peter, and he actually had a bit of funny business in the restaurant where he's leading over the, uh, the, the violinist to play for him, but then shooing him away, and it was a bit of fun physical acting for him. The next, I would have to rank Spider-Man 2 because Bruce had, uh, because Bruce, and he bragged about it before they actually showed the movie, was he was the guy that beat Spider-Man. And that's because Peter's trying to get into the theater and he makes Peter go through all the stuff to tie a shoe or, you know, straighten his tie. And then said, oh, you can't go in. 
and it was just fun because he was so smugly condescending and it was a great bit of business his scene in the first Spider-Man was nothing special he was just basically a pro wrestling announcer and it was cool that he got to give Peter like the name Spider-Man but it wasn't there wasn't anything really fun for Bruce specific and honestly it was a scene where if a thousand different actors could do that role and do it fine without having that like special you know smirking delivery that Bruce has <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah that, that that's a that was a good thoughtful response um i i personally would go two one and then three um i i agree a hundred percent um especially with um your comments about two i love that one especially when he gives the line peter parker is saying like oh no you gotta let me in mj she said that i was supposed to come and bruce campbell says uh, but not to come late <laughs> um, and then one i ranked second really not because of bruce campbell's performance i agree a lot of other people with a, a big deep voice could have done that it just obviously was a nice nod um to um the Bruce Campbell having worked with Sam Raimi before and then it kind of sets up that precedent for the other movies but the reason that I rank it second is just because it's my favorite of the three scenes overall um not because of Bruce Campbell um but because of Bonesaw McGraw well it, it was also the the most important scene of all the movies where in in the other two movies they were sort of a bit of funny business but in the first movie, that's where he really becomes Spider-Man. They first give him the name, and he first realizes how much of an ass-kicker he is. You have the ridiculous Randy Savage as Bonesaw McGraw. The late, great, macho man Randy Savage. Um, and, and his just amazing, gravelly voice, like, I've got you for five minutes. Oh, God. That's five minutes of playtime. <laughs> We, you know, on, on the Cosmic Battle podcast, we just talked with um, uh, Dave Lagana, who was a writer for the WWE, and uh, it, we talk about act, uh, wrestlers who've been able to have forged successful movie careers, and talked about The Rock and Dave Bautista from the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, and Randy Savage was one of the biggest stars in the uh, wrestling stars ever, but that was really his only role, and it's because he, he couldn't do anything else. All he could do was be like a crazy-eyed pro wrestler. So you weren't going to have him in game plan like The Rock where he plays a a cocky football player. Or, you know, he he could only do one thing. He could just be a crazy wrestler. Right. Nobody wants to see a movie where Macho Man Randy Savage discovers he's got a long-lost daughter and then tries to find a way to to be a father to this young child that he never knew. Um, Nowhere does... Oh yeah, fit into that movie whatsoever. So he can do Slim Jim commercials. He can do a cameo in the Spider-Man movies where he's just playing a different wrestler. And and sadly, that was it. Danger! Locked his hand off. Peril. The Jack just took off. You're just in time for some job tales. Talking evil, dead adventures, job tales. He's seen Bruce Campbell live in person. 
Minute 73 of Army of Darkness. Ryan, how you doing? Doing fantastic today, Brad. How are you? Well, it's a lot of mixed emotions. We're getting very, very close to the end of this. Uh, but on the plus side, I am wearing my uh, new fancy Army of Darkness, sh- Army of Darkness shirt. Uh, it's, you know, what did Apu say? And uh, Simpsons, I, I now have something... Fine enough to walk down the aisle in. Gonna have to have a second wedding with Heather because this is just some, <laughs> this is some fine dressings. Uh, thank you so much to you and your beautiful wife, Katie. Katie, how are you? Good. Ryan actually didn't know that I sent you that shirt, and I actually got him a matching one, and I just gave it to him. And you guys are twinsies. Yes, this is the best day ever. <laughs> it smells amazing. <laughs> Oh, Christ. We've become those guys. Well, we've been those guys. What am I talking about? We're on the 73rd episode of a podcast about this movie. We've become the... We've been those guys. We've been those guys for about 73 minutes. <laughs> uh, well, Katie, it, it was... Uh, it's, I know you were going to come on because you were disappointed. You didn't realize that the last Katie's question was the last Katie's question. So you were going to join us just for another quick chance to stump me again before this show wrapped up. But then uh, our guest uh, for today, KJ Valencic, uh, had a little bit of a family situation. He wasn't able to come on. We're going to hope to have him on for tomorrow's episode. But I thought, oh, well, we got to have Katie back. You were our first guest, so we want to have you back for like one of the last minutes. So thank you so much for coming back. Well, thanks for having me. The, the Katie's questions thing has been really fun. You've been doing such a great job. Uh, and y- you will continue to do that for the Cosmic Geppetto podcast, correct? Yes, that is correct. I will be doing that. I know you had sent me um, a list of some upcoming things, and I kind of dropped the ball, and I apologize for that, but I will definitely be sending you some questions. That's good, because uh, this is the first time you've actually been on the show since you got your own theme song. Always a curious girl Wants to know the world Doesn't mean to start a fight But she knows she might Not here to start trouble She has got to know chance to listen to it i did i love it um i've always wanted a theme song so it was a pretty exciting moment for me <laughs> thank you <laughs> well what's funny is uh, as we're recording this we're recording this um before is actually going to get improved so so far katie's only heard the original version but we're going to have a we're, we're going to have a better singer do lay down some vocals for you uh amy kenrup who's um done a lot of stuff for the the cosmic Geppetto podcast she's the one who's actually can sing so she's actually going to lay down a new vocal track and uh we're trying to get kj valencic who's going to be on tomorrow hopefully uh he's going to like uh, he's a really good guitarist uh, the people who've been listening to the show all the way through we've had a bunch of different versions of our um uh, theme song done sung by different singers and uh, kj actually did a whole like really neat sort of 
barroom boogie version of it and uh, he's a really good guitar so he's gonna like you know give you a fancy guitar solo so you know it's 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 really exciting stuff and we've been really lucky to have um people who've you know you've been lending their talents from you know ryan of course who's just been an iron man he, he hasn't missed an episode he's always uh he, he's been so awesome and you know people like katie who's contributed every week and jarf who's done a great job and uh, all the great guests and we've had some you know really cool musicians like amy kenrup and uh kj and sean and uh jason so it's been just been really fun this is this has been a neat experience so you know and katie's thank you so much for being a part of it well thank you for having me thank you for letting me be a part of it and i'm excited to hear the newer version of the katie theme song yeah. you gonna start like just playing it uh when you walk into the office every day uh duh <laughs> It's going to be like, I always, so I always had a, I used to watch WWF before it became WWE, and I always loved that everybody had their entrance music, so like, I kind of feel like now I've got my own entrance music, it's pretty exciting. I uh, I always loved that part of, of wrestling, and it's something that sort of infected the rest of the culture and sports, where any boxing match or MMA fight, uh, or and even baseball games, the, the batters have the music that plays when they go up to bat, uh, famously... Uh, Chase Utley, the second baseman for the Phillies, uh, walks up to uh, Led Zeppelin's Cashmere, which is such a great song for that. Yeah. What would your your theme song be, Brad? I was I was, so I was just going to ask you guys. For me, it would be uh, the opening guitar riff from uh, the, the, the 90s uh, song by Matthew Sweet, Girlfriend, which is just this incredible guitar riff. And it's just a, the first 30 seconds is just, just so kick-ass. So I, I, I've actually... This is not the first time I've thought about this question, so uh, yeah, I, I, I had that one holstered. What about you, Ryan? Oh, um, calling out to uh, Dazed and Confused, that opening scene in the parking lot, Speed of Oceans by Aerosmith. Nice, nice. Now, Katie, before you had your own theme song, what would it have been? Uh, probably Crazy Bitch. <sighs> my butt cherry. Y'all crazy bitch, but you're so good I'm on top of it when I dream. I'm doing you all night. Scratches all down my back to keep me right on. Hey, y'all crazy bitch, but... <laughs> 
relevant and hysterical. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, I'm glad you had that. I'm glad you were ready for that because I don't want to tick you off by asking you a question you weren't ready for. <laughs> but now, now it's time to turn the tables and it's time for Katie's question. Yay! All right, you guys ready? Yes. Ryan has not seen this yet, so this is going to be good for everybody. So there have been talks for years about an Army of Darkness sequel, and in a lot of ways, the TV show Ash vs. the Evil Dead kind of fills that void. But if they were to make a movie sequel, what would the plot be? Man, I got this. Go first, Brad. That's a really good question, because the sequel would have... Another Army of Darkness movie would have been better set up if they would have kept the original ending of Army of Darkness, where he's like post-apocalyptic time, it's a little bit more of a blank slate. And as we're going to talk about tomorrow, Army of Darkness really has a nice, happy ending where everything's sort of tied together. I would like the idea. I think you could still do post-apocalyptic. You just sort of, I don't know, if the first five minutes of the, the next movie would just be showing Ash growing up again and basically the world blowing up because sort of a... Terminator world, except for instead of Terminators, you have Deadites. I think it would be really cool, and I think you could have a lot of great scenes of Ash in the future fighting technology, but still only having the chainsaw, the shotgun, and the metal hand. I, I think that could work pretty well. And him just in, driving through a wasteland with the uh, with the Delta 88 would be pretty cool. So I think you got to go post-apocalyptic Ash. I think that'd be really fun. I like that, especially with him only having the technology that he has currently. I like that. Yeah, you can't give him anything else to rely on. He really has to rely on his dumb luck and, you know, just the, the, the tools that are sort of iconic to him. Very, very true. Yeah. I, th- I think that's the, I think that's a, that's a good idea, and that's the only way it would work. Ryan, what about you? What's your answer? So my first reaction, let me, let me rephrase that. My second reaction, my second idea would be for him to decide to go back to the medieval times uh, that, you know, where Army of Darkness took place, um, so he could be king. Um, but we've kind of been there, done that. But the first idea I had was an idea I had years ago, and it's, it entails him going back in time and using the ne- Necronomicon um, to go back and help himself win the day in Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, and Army of Darkness, because the one thing Ash has always had is this blind, dumb luck about working his way through situations and coming out smelling like gold-plated Teflon, and no one can figure out why. So I think it, the next plot should be like him figuring out, you know what, I need to go back and like, I need to go back and win the day. But he finds out quickly like he's the reason that he won the day in Evil Dead 1, Evil Dead 2, and Army of Darkness. So he's helping himself behind the scenes. So kind of like Harry Potter. A little bit like Harry Potter, yeah. <laughs> That's now, Katie. How do you feel about that? Because I know you have pretty strong feelings about time travel in movies. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love it. it. It's funny. The people. And by the way, everybody, you should definitely be subscribed to the Cosmic Chipotle podcast, and you should go back and uh, check out the episode that Katie was on. It was her first time on the show where we talked about uh, the Harry Potter movies and we sort of did our ranking of our favorite to least favorite. And what's funny is, Katie, your least favorite was Prisoner of Azkaban. Yes. Uh, which is my favorite. And the reason is you don't like time travel in books or movies. 
it's not necessarily the time travel that I have a problem with. It's mostly the repeating. So, like, having to go through the same scene over and over again, that's the part that I don't like. Yeah, so, Ryan, it's like you came up with that answer just to piss Katie off. Yeah, I did, you know, I didn't realize it at the time. <laughs> I'll be honest. Very cool. Well, uh, what about you, Katie? Do you have an idea what you would uh, like to see for uh, if they had made or if they do make an Army of Darkness 2? They still talk about it. Weirdly enough, it could still happen. Yeah, it's every now and again I see buzz about it, and it like just kind of keeps resurfacing every year or so. But what I would like to see is I would like to see Ash team up with Mia. Oh. I'd like to see the two of them work together. Yeah, because you like the Mia character. You you like the Evil Dead remake. I did like the Evil Dead remake. Um, I liked it a lot, and it like it takes a lot for a a um a horror movie to kind of get to me. But that movie freaked my shit out. Um, so <laughs> I really I really like it, and I would really love to see the two of them team up. I think they would make an awesome pair. Good answers. Good answers all around. We're on to minute seventy three. We're, we're really coming around to the final stretch of this film, and really this is almost like, and Ryan, we talked about this in the last few minutes where the movie really is over by this point. Uh, Ash kissing Sheila and riding off into the sunset, that was the end of the movie. This is, if this movie were to come out today, this would be a post-credit or a mid-credit scene. So... Ash is already, he's back in S-Mart. We've already seen the blue light again. He's, and we find out that basically the entire movie has has been him recounting the story to a very, very bored looking Ted Raimi. And uh, what's great is he tells the story and Ted Raimi, who couldn't look any more bored, but at least he's been paying attention. Ash says that he had a chance to stay, be king, teach them. God, could you imagine Ash teaching a kingdom? That, that, That would be a... (laughs) <laughs> that would leak. But he's got that one science <laughs> book. He'd be fine. <laughs> yeah, I think it was, I, 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 I think problems would really would really be caused. I, I don't think following Ash for a long extended period of time is a good way to build a society. And he says how he drank the drank the potion. He w- said the magic words. Came back to the present. And Ted Raimi says exactly the right thing. Did you say the words? Did you say all the words this time? And 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 Ryan, just describe Ash's reaction to that question. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he he reacts like basically the same way he did earlier when the wise men asked him that question. Like he knows he screwed it up, and he's just like, well, you know, all seemed to work out, but you know, uh, we're moving on. <laughs> we're moving on. Well, my favorite part about that is after Ted Raimi asked that question, that little, like, smile smirk that he gets on his face, like, cracks me up. It's just, like, he he knows, like, he knows that Ash totally screwed it up. I mean, the, the hysterical part about the scene is his face, but it's also the fact that when he asks that question, you know that he has sat through, we know this, but the him telling the entire movie to this poor sap at S-Smart... Probably his boss, probably not his coworker. Who knows? But like, I mean, he's he like every single detail. He just just regurgitated this whole movie, and it's it's funny because basically the whole movie was just Bruce Campbell acting this whole thing out. So he's just like kind of just regurgitating this whole thing right right on this guy's face. You know what? I I don't think I would mind a really low budget remake of this movie that's just Ash at Smart telling the story. I have a feeling it'd be really entertaining. Oh yeah. That's <laughs> A one-man Broadway show. Oh, 
I, I would uh, I'd be first in line. That would be, be pretty great. <laughs> now, what's funny is, obviously, Ted Raimi doesn't believe Ash. They do a pretty good job of filming around it. First off, Ash does have the scars on his face. Second, he still has a goddamn metal hand. I, I feel like that's pretty good. Pr- I mean, that is not bad proof of a pretty crazy story. Not maybe not that crazy, but you, you could say it's like, hey, watch me crush these things with my metal hand. See, there's there's actually evidence of this. Yeah, that was exactly my thought too. As soon as I saw that hand, I was like, well, I mean, why would he be just like wearing that around? That doesn't make any sense. It's like basically proof that this story is not bullshit. Although it is funny, Raimi has sort of filmed around the hand. You you really haven't seen it yet. He's definitely trying to keep. Uh, they're doing a Radar O'Reilly where they're keeping the weird hand off screen. I don't know if that means anything to you guys. Do you, do you know what I mean by Radar O'Reilly? Well, I was just agreeing with you. I didn't. I didn't. I don't know what it means. But please explain. <laughs> that, that is a deep dive joke. You guys remember the TV show uh, Mash? Totally. My dad really liked that show. There was a character, Radar O'Reilly, and he was like the guy who got, he, he was the clerk for the MASH unit, he was the guy who got everything they needed. And the actor had a deformed right hand. So every scene he would be in, he usually was like holding a clipboard or something to hide the fact that he had fingers missing and he had like a poorly developed right hand. If you know it and you look for it, you can see, oh, yeah, there's it. I can see right there. And, of course, as soon as you become aware of it, that's all you look for. Sure. Oh, that's like when they hide pregnancies, too. You know, it's just one of those things. And so they're doing the same thing in this movie right now. They don't want to do the reveal of the hand until the next minute. Uh, so they're just they're just just keeping it just off panel, and uh, you know after Ash says, yeah, oh, I pretty much said every word. I didn't say every single syllable. We have the next scene where he's using the uh, pricing gun to to price out some items, and he's using the real hand. He's and he sort of has the metal hand hiding behind his leg. And as he's doing this, we then get the the, the camera pans, and we see a uh, redhead with big hair. Wearing a denim short skirt. Katie, how would you describe the look of this young woman? Oh, she's definitely like the epitome of like a 90s chick, for sure, with the big hair and the acid wash denim jean skirt and, and the crayon earrings, I think. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how intentional, because it's a pretty, I'm just going to say, it's a pretty trashy look. They're not trying to make it look like he wooed with his story, this refined lady. It definitely seems like, you know, a young woman who definitely likes to go to the hair salon and tell her to tell him to go with a big look and has spent quite a few hours on a bar stool at not the nicest bar. Yeah, I mean, she's shopping at S-Mart, so, you know. <laughs> Does she? No, I think she's a shopper. I think think she's an employee i thought i saw like one of the the bibs around her waist oh oh yeah yeah okay you're in you're an art you know katie so like okay i'm you know, sorry everything about this movie <laughs> yes oh yeah yeah she's got a bib on look at those socks yeah but then like the thing that struck me about that too is and you know ryan mentioned that um ted Raimi had to like sit through that entire story well it sounds like she sat through the entire story too yeah and she's dig she dug the story and she's digging ash katie if you hear that much of a bullshit story i it's is is that a real like is that a good way to seal the deal uh no at least not with i'm kind of allergic to bullshit so that's bullshit (laughs) 90 percent of what i told you when we first met was total bullshit that's 
screw at all. That's bullshit. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've, I've seen guys lose, have a girl lose interest in them for less. Uh, great story. A, a friend of mine worked at a bookstore, and it, it was he, he was college age. So, yeah, of course, there's always the, 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 the college girls who know him or walk, you know, he was a college bookstore, so... You sort of have to repeat business, and uh, he told the story how apparently there was a girl that was sort of thinking he was cute. She went into the bookstore to ask him out. After it was like she would show up once a week and finding some reason to go in and you know sort of scoping him out. She finally went in. She was going to ask him out. At that moment, as he walked in, he was doing his best Mandy Macho Man Savage impression. <laughs> <laughs> She took one look at that, turned around, and just left. And it's like, well, that that that, that, that screwed that up. I mean, we could try. We could try to see if that works. Hold on. Ooh, yeah! <laughs> hey, brother! I am the cream! The cream of the crop! You sound more like the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> I think it works. Everyone listening to the episode was just, like, really intently listening to, to see if they could hear the sound of Katie ripping her clothes off. But uh, it apparently it didn't work that well. No, not this time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So she's saying how she thinks the story's cute. Nash is, he he seems uh, as surprised as I was that this worked. And he's uh, trying to sort of, you can see him sort of like getting himself mentally prepared to to try to make this work. And then the goofy effects happen. The wind starts blowing. uh, The lights are flickering. There's a great camera pan that Raimi does. And it swoops in on Ash and uh, the redhead. And all of a sudden, right behind him, spins around a woman who is in line. And she is a she-bitch deadite. And uh, Katie, can you describe this this woman's look for us? Um, well, she's got some lovely long blonde hair. And she's wearing a white shirt with a big scarf. And her face is all deadite-y. And uh, I think she has, like, a black skirt on. Not a trap. No, it's a frumpy look. This was not a uh, young, fashion-forward woman who became a deadite. This is sort of a... I, I feel like this was a 50-something year, uh, woman, uh, possibly a school marmish, uh, who got transferred. Because uh, she's, not, she's, she's not dressed to the nines by any stretch. No, not at all. And actually, it looks like she's wearing what were called culottes and not a skirt. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> Backhands Ash sends him flying, and then uh, the, the 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 new she bitch deadite grabs a cash register. He's lifting overhead. Uh, the redhead is like just crawling away. Uh, and one thing, actually, I got a little bit ahead of myself. One thing that I got a kick out of is before she bitch punched Ash, Ash shoves away the girl. And did you guys hear the sound of glass breaking when he did that? Yes. Yeah, I was going to mention it. Like, when, when it all goes down, he pushes her away, and then glass breaks. And it's like, he kind of does the hero thing, but in just true Ash fashion. Just like, really, screw you, I'm in it, for, I'm in it to win it. This is all about me. Um, it's kind of heroic, but not really. But yeah, I definitely heard the sound effect. He's heroic, but he's still bad at it. Super bad at it. So, you know, again, she bitch punches Ash, Ash goes flying, he lands... Uh, in a pile of boxes right next to the uh, the gun aisle or the gun rack in the store. Uh, she bitch has that register. She's about ready to slam it on top of the poor girl. And Ash pulls himself up on the gun counter. 
And somebody just describe the, the the determined or give a better look for the determined look on Ash's face. What's going through his head right now? Uh, he this this the switch is getting flipped. He he you know uh, is trying to get us accustomed to his his old life, and he's like you know I left all that behind me now. And then he comes up with this realization like you know what it followed me here. I got to do this. I got to be that guy one more time. Buckle up, here it comes. It's such a great moment, and we've talked about it a thousand times over the course of this uh, podcast, but Sam Raimi really knows how to film Bruce Campbell because it's the perfect angle, the, the slow ascent from behind the counter. Uh, we finally get, you know, we're getting a good look at the hand. His hand's, like, grabbing the counter, and it's, it's very cool, and you know it's going to get awesome in a minute. Uh, you, you know, and Ryan and I have, have talked about how we, we've both seen the original ending to this movie. They filmed for it, and they switched it out with this more action-packed Robert Rodriguez-esque ending. And I, I think we both agreed we like this version better. I understand the appeal of the other, and it would have been great for uh, good for setting up sequels. Uh, Katie, have you seen the, the original ending ever? No, but Ryan has described it to me in full, so I know... Actually, wait, did we watch it? We might have. We might have. Maybe you just described it so well I feel like I watched it. I do that. <laughs> well, what's funny is, uh, again, KJ Valencic is going to be on the show tomorrow. Uh, I sent him, and, and uh, pulling back the uh, curtain a little bit to the people listening, the way we work this out is send the, the minute-long clips for each of the episodes to the people who are going to be our guests, You know, have the chance to sort of watch this specific minute because so you know exactly where minute 73 begins and ends. So I sent that to KJ, and what's interesting about him is KJ had never seen this movie before. He had been, he has been listening to he has been listening to every episode of Minute of Darkness, and he never actually saw the movie. So he actually got had a Blu-ray at his house. He watched the Blu-ray, but then it didn't make sense because the Blu-ray was the director's cut that had the original ending. And he's like, "What's going on here?" And then he quickly researched and found out it was because he had a, a different ending in his. That is fantastic. I mean, can you imagine watching? listening to the podcast and then watching that director's cut i mean that would just blow your mind that, that'd be amazing yeah he's uh well i just get a kick out of the fact that KJ, he's a great guy uh he's a, a fan of the cosmic chipetto podcast and you know just the idea of and i i, I take it as a compliment that we're this show has been entertaining enough for someone who isn't who's never watched the movie to still listen to each episode and get a kick out of it. So it's it's a pretty good compliment. That's sort of where this minute ends. Uh, Ryan, what else popped out at you from the from minute seventy three? There's something that popped out at me, and I it, I only realized it as as many things during this podcast when I've been kind of over analyzing the minutes when he's rising up from behind the gun counter. Um, and he's got that steely look in his face, and he's like, "Here, here we go. I'm gonna do this again. You know, like time, time to be the hero again." He's he. We see his metal hand, but you, you focus on the metal hand, but you don't realize what he's holding in his other hand. He's still holding on to the price gun, and it's funny because it's a it's the price sticker gun. Like he had a a, a, a sticker gun in his hand, and it's like you kind of have that like. He, you know, you have his, his uh, old life battle in the Deadites, uh, kind of symbolic to, with the glove that he has, and then his uh, his old life before that, where he wants to get back to a little bit of normality with the price gun working at S-Smart. It's like, what does he do? He decides to drop the price gun, 
bust open this cabinet and then you know grab a gun and then you know kind of like be the hero again so i, I was that was kind of an in- interesting uh piece uh, in the uh, five minutes that i realized it existed that's a real cool call up because yeah he is exchanging one life for the other one more time um and where it would have been cool to to have a sequel to this is just to see how they would pick up where is is this a true transformation ash is now the badass deadite killer ash that we've come to grow in love or does he try to go back to that sort of bland life of normalcy and just gets keeps getting pulled back in and it's something that they've touched upon a little bit with the uh ash versus evil dead series where he's trying to be a bit of a normal guy but he's just not doing it very well and at the beginning of the second season same thing where he's trying to party and have a good time but he's still there with shooting watermelons with his shotgun at a you know spring break event and opening kegs by using the chainsaw to cut through them he's having a hard heart harder and harder time becoming that normal guy because he's ash he's ash absolutely katie what about you anything else that you wanted to call out um i did notice like what do we know like what time period this takes place because there's a lot of like patriotic gear while he's like talking and i didn't know if they just like super love america or if it was like fourth of july or memorial day or something (laughs) that's a really good question i and i wanted to follow up and piggyback on that how much time do we think has gone between the events of Evil Dead and Army of Darkness? Like, did all that just take place in a weekend, do you think? Was it 4th of July or Memorial Day weekend? Do we, do we know anything on that? Oh, that is a great question, because it would make sense if it was some sort of Memorial Day weekend. And not a lot of time has passed. Uh, it was, you know, I mean, really, you know... Army of Darkness 2 it takes place the day after Army of Darkness 1. And, I mean, pardon me, Evil Dead 2 takes place the day after Evil Dead 1. And then Army of Darkness he picks right up after where Evil Dead 2 left off. And that movie takes place over, what, I don't know, two, three days? Yeah, that's about how long it takes to, come, you know, turn your Oldsmobile into a death machine. God, that's still so crazy. It all checks out. It all checks out. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this was right after a Memorial Day thing or it could be a month later on 4th of July. It, it, it does have a very cotton candy-esque patriotic look to the store. So that's, that's a good call-out, Katie. Thank you. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. And um, also, one more thing. The store is crappy. I mean, like, it's like a warehouse of just, like, junk. It's like a dollar store. I mean, you look around and... It's funny to me because, like, I know the movie's over and the set design and uh, the execution on the production uh, value in this movie has been really spot on, but this last scene sucks. I mean, it's like in a warehouse of a Kmart. It's not even on the Kmart floor. Like, it's crazy, crazy janky and trashy. Yes, it it definitely is. I want to know. And they were probably out of money. Obviously, this was reshoots. They had a very, very small set for this. But it probably also worked where this is Smart. It's not as good as Kmart, and Kmart's terrible. It's basically like as if the movie, this scene took place in a, you know, a, a, an old uh, Ames department store. Yeah. That's a good call out. Yeah, it, it, and it's probably, it could be just a thing of uh, Raimi realizing, like, well, we have very, very little money for this reshoot, and we're going to waste it. We're going to spend most of that money on a, a really flippy stunt woman. So. Let's just make it look crappy, and we'll just explain that the place is supposed to be crappy. <laughs> Very cool. Well, I uh, 
Katie, do you have anything else? Nope, I think that was it. All right, well, again, Katie, thank you so much. You were our first guest, and now you're going to be a guest on the final week. And uh, it's and thank you also. Really, you were the person who, who facilitated and made this all happen because, uh, as we've told before, we were doing our best in 90s matchup uh, contest, which is still ongoing. It's been brutal. I've been so slow getting that, uh, getting to the next, deep into the next round. And uh, you po- point out that Ryan was a big Army of Darkness fan, and everything happened from there. And also, you know, giving up so much time for him to record this, uh, it, it's been really great and so much fun. And it was, it's all thanks to you. Oh well, you guys are welcome. <laughs> no, this has been—it's been good for me because Ryan is, um, you know, working on this podcast, and then that means I get to catch up on yoga and freeform TV shows that he doesn't want to watch with me. Oh, what's what's the one that you really like to watch when he's doing this? Um, Switched at Birth and <laughs> and uh, the Fosters. Those are my two favorites right now. Okay. Okay. I mean, they're not bad TV shows. I'd just rather be at the dentist. But, I mean, the fact that it's a darkness podcast you get to be on, I mean, that's just that's just a win-win. That's W's for everybody, Brad. Very good. All right, Ryan. Well, uh, it's been a lot of fun. We're going to do uh, – we'll be back tomorrow, hopefully with KJ, as long as uh, his situation is resolved. But uh, other than that, Ryan, you got anything else, or is it time to wrap it up? Dude, let's wrap it up, man. Minute of Darkness is produced by Geppetto Studios. Find out more at CosmicGeppetto.com. Our email is minuteofdarkness at comcast.net. I'm Rick from the Mad Max Minute Podcast. It took Linda, and then it came for me. It got into my hand and it went bad, so I lopped it off at the wrist.